Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 224th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 54 to 53! North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, right away to Worthy! Worthy 5! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out foul. of timeout! Technical foul! Technical foul on Michigan! They're out of timeout! And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champion. Love guarded by Keels. Gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it. Caleb from straight away. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Just Josh here with you guys today as I had a chance to talk with former Clemson guard. He now does work for the Field of 68 Network, ESPN, Fox, and CBS Sports. His name is Terrence Oglesby. He joined me to talk about the state of the team as they enter the last week of the regular season, uh, why the season has gone the way that it has gone, and what he thinks they have to do to solidify themselves as an NCAA tournament team. So without further ado, let's get to my conversation with former Clemson guard and Field of 68 uh, network analyst, Terrence Oglesby. I am now joined by former Clemson guard, and now you catch him now doing work for the field of 68 and other various outlets covering and talking college basketball. He is Terrence Oglesby. Terrence, good afternoon, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, buddy. Josh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm battling, uh, I'm battling the people of Twitter uh, for the simple fe- reason that I was hacked, and now I can't change my profile picture. So you got to get Elon Musk on this if you do me one thing, Josh. <laughs> okay, I will. I will see what I can do. Um, <laughs> before we get into talking about this year's Carolina team and, and this year's ACC, um, I grew up watching the Tar Heels play lifelong UNC fan. So I grew up watching you when you played at Clemson. So you're the first former Tar Heel opponent that I've brought on my podcast. So, I mean, that makes me feel old. I assume you that makes you feel even that much older as well. Well, first of all, thank you for that. And uh, I guess I'm honored. I'm honored to even be a part just simply because, you know, you know how North Carolina is. Like, if you're a fan of North Carolina, everybody else, like, uh, everybody else doesn't matter as much. But that all being said, thank you for having me on. And I'm not sure you're going to love some of the things I'm going to say about North Carolina as this show goes on, but I appreciate it. 
I, I probably won't, but I do admire your bald head as a guy that's balding like myself. I hope that whenever I cut it all off, I look as good as you do when you when you show up talking hoops. So let's dive into this Carolina basketball team because that's what you're here for, and I want to hear your opinions. Uh, they entered the season the overwhelming favorite to win the ACC. I was at ACC Media Days. I, I knew how much of a favorite they were to win the league, and they were a heavy favorite to get back to the Final Four, and this time win the national championship. Did you buy into the hype during the offseason, or were you one of those that was very cautious after what they did last year, not so convinced they could recreate that magic they had a year ago? I was on the, the – there's some UCLA vibes to this from last year type mm-hmm. of deal to where you have a team that makes the Final Four, you have a lot of players coming back, and everybody gets overly anxious, and they're ready to put the car before the horse, and it's like, hey, they still have to – perform a little bit well North Carolina just simply put they haven't uh this season it's uh it's one of those things one and nine against quad ones this is North Carolina this isn't somewhere like a Georgia Tech or somewhere like that this is University of North Carolina widely regarded as the best job in college basketball and they caught lightning in a bottle they played really well when it mattered last year but even going back into the middle of last year, middle of February, middle of January, we were all wondering, like, when is this North Carolina team? Is Hubert the right guy? Yada, yada, yada. They make that run in Final Four, and it seems like all that talk started to simmer down a little bit. This season, they just it's almost like they're just waiting for the postseason to get here. They're not all that interested. I was more on the line of, hey, I, I think this was a team that felt really good at one point, but I also think – it's going to be very difficult to regenerate that magic because I think Brady Manick was a massive part of what they were doing. He was one of these guys that could, uh, if nothing else, tell guys to shut up and do the right thing on the floor. I I think Pete Nance is a very nice kid. I I don't know that he has that level of, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on here, so I'm not going to. You're good. (laughs) I think, yeah, he's, uh, he's, I don't think Pete Nance had that asshole in him like Brady Manick did to where he just didn't care he was going to say something or somebody did something wrong. I, I think it's a group that is really dysfunctional together. I think you t- have two shot-heavy guards, and I think that was the reason why going into the season, I was like, guys, I, I, I just don't see it moving forward in the way that it does. And we can go back even to some of the shows in October and November. I was pretty consistent in that, and, and sadly, I was proven to be right. Well, you, you, you did mention the questions around Hubert Davis. Um, I'm not going to admit, I fired him last year on my podcast after back-to-back blowout losses to Wake Forest in Miami. I thought we had made a mistake. Then we go on the run. I bought in. But we sit here now, uh, pre-Florida State, Carolina's 18-11. and 11. They're 10-8 and 8 in, the, in, in the ACC. And a lot of questions and criticisms about Hubert Davis. They, th- th- those things have come back. From your perspective, should uh, for and should Tar Heel fans be a little bit more lenient with a guy who's just in his second year uh, as a head coach, or given the job and given the demands, are, are are the criticisms valid for Huber Davis? The criticisms right now are valid. They're valid. Do I think you fire Huber Davis? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Not at this point. Uh, one is because. You got to let him get rid of the guys under there now. I mean, when I say get rid of, those guys need to move on. It's tough. I think it's run its course. I think, you know, if you want to keep R.J. Davis around, that's fine. If you want to keep Baycott around, that's fine. I think you really need to look at getting Caleb Love out the door. 
because he, he just seems to be somebody that's kind of holding the team back a little bit, even though he is super talented. But for some reason, playing hard this year has not been a prerequisite to playing time. And what's happened is it's moving off and it's rubbing off on some of these other players. And it's been difficult for some of these other guys to, to really generate the kind of energy that's needed to win at a high level consistently. So whenever we talk about Hubert Davis, I think we need to give him time. He's recruiting really, really well, guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, he has done some serious damage on the recruiting trail. And then once he's able to get his hands on some of these newer players and get them to play the way he wants them to play, I think North Carolina is going to be fine. But he, he needs to get rid of some of these me-first guys. You mentioned uh, Pete Nance and the struggles that he have. They're well they're well documented, and he had a you know fantastic game against Virginia the other night after he kind of carried Carolina last week against Notre Dame. When you look at his his production this season, I had people close to the program tell me in the summer he's the best player on the roster. We haven't really seen that in his time here in Chapel Hill. Do you think it's because Carolina has not used him the best way to get the most out of his talent, or is this just a guy that has struggled mightily to go from the Big Ten to the ACC uh, and then replace a guy like Brady Manick, who not only was a, was an important part of what the team did on the court, was by loved by the fan base off the court? So let me get this straight. Somebody, there were people telling you that Pete Nance was the best player on North Carolina's team coming into this year? Yes, sir. Stop listening to those people. I, I, I don't know. I don't know who said that. Stop listening to those people. Secondly, I, I think there's something to be said uh, about him being in the wrong position. He's more stretch five than he is stretch four. I mean, he's 6'11", 230 pounds, and he's playing the four position. The only problem with that is you have to guard the four position. Uh, and I'm not sure he's been fully capable of doing that. In an ACC where I think the majority, I don't think, the majority of the teams are playing smaller foremen and he's having to get out on the perimeter. And that makes things pretty difficult for him. Um, but it, it's, it's one of those things, he thrives when the ball moves. And the ball has not moved. There's been glue on that basketball this year. And it's, uh, it's, been, it's been very frustrating to watch because guys like, I'm a Clemson grad. I played against Tyler Hansborough. I played against Ty Lawson, Wayne Ellington, Danny Green. Like I, I, Those guys were more talented than anything they have on that roster right now. And they moved the basketball. They played hard. They played together. Like That's the kind of Carolina team I, I, I'm used to seeing. And even being a Clemson guy, I understand that the ACC is looked at as a better league whenever North Carolina is good. So for me to sit out here and just bash and bash and bash, I, I, it comes with a hint of sadness for the league as a whole because of how the perception of the ACC is as a result of North Carolina playing poorly. So I think that's a big portion that needs to be known as well. Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, you've kind of mentioned their struggles all season long. They both shot, you know, below 40% in the 30 percentile from behind the three-point line. You're a former guard. You were a guy that that, that lived and, and wanted to live on the perimeter and make those type of shots. When you look at the way that they play and you look at their numbers, is a shot selection the biggest reason why their numbers are inefficient? or Or maybe they're just guys that aren't as good as the shooters as we want them to be? I think they're not as good a shooter as you want them to be. I think R.J. Davis might fall into that category. 
I mean, this season he's at 33% last year. I mean, he, he shot a lot more and he was at almost 37%. That's where you need him. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he's kind of been hand, hamstrung by, you know, the ball not moving. And he's one of the reasons the ball's not moving. The problem is that ball moves, that, that ball moves and it gets to Caleb Love. Well, it's not going anywhere else. I think that's the biggest issue. So, is he a great shooter? No, R.J. Davis is not a great shooter. He's a good scorer, but he's much more often been in that 32 33% than he has that 36 37% like he was last year. Uh, so I, I would throw that there to R.J. Davis. I think he's capable of shooting in the high 30s, but I think it's if the ball moves and he catches it back on the back end. Uh, Caleb loves all shot selection. He's plenty good enough shooter. But these setbacks going either way, shooting over the top, way deep, eight, nine feet past the three-point line. Like, there were certain guys that have to do that. I was one of those guys that had to do it because, quite frankly, I wasn't as athletic as Caleb Love. I had, I couldn't take the ball to the hole like Caleb Love. But, you know, I, I shot 40%, so I think there's a difference there. That Caleb Love, whenever he shoots it, they might as well be turnovers. I'm not sure what his turnover numbers are, but uh, they aren't too great. He just needs to be better. He needs to get rid of the basketball. And then... When he does get rid of the basketball, don't be an energy killer because there's been a couple times where he's tried to settle into the game, pass it, and he looks like he doesn't even want to be there. Uh, to be honest with you, that he's where the issue is. And I, if they can move on from him, let him go somewhere else, I think it's run its course. I think he understands that it's run its course. Hubert understands that it's run its course. Now you have to let somebody give somebody else an opportunity next season. I think you write it out to the end of this one. But let's be let's be honest, guys. Like North Carolina looks like an NIT team if it started today. Mm-hmm. These next two two weeks are just massive for them even getting in the tournament. And this is a team that kept their three best players from the Final Four team. It's insanity. You know, you, you you mentioned for Caleb Love, it's all shot selection. Then you mentioned that you know he thinks it's run its course, and Hubert Davis thinks it's run its course. I think it's very evident that maybe both things can be true, but there is still this reluctance for, from 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 Hubert Davis' perspective to put him on the bench when he's you know quite frankly hurting the team. Do you think that's something that new coaches just struggle with out of the gate? Is just getting getting into a place where they're comfortable putting a guy who is arguably the most talented player on the roster on the bench whenever they're not playing well? Or is this just something that maybe there's just no way to explain why he's played the minutes he's had despite his production uh, being below what was expected of him this season? I, I don't I don't think that it's a common issue with a lot of coaches. I, I think it's definitely a Hubert issue, and I think he's scared of his bench which mm-hmm. I'm not sure makes all a lot of sense because they were all pretty highly touted guys. I, I thought they found something whenever they put Seth Trimble in the game and he was kind of this ball mover that could push the pace, pass it. And then once that ball started moving, it found energy. Um, hasn't been the case. He, he decided to go away from it when some of those guys got healthy again. And I, I'm not quite sure why, but you know, it's, 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 it's certainly run its course. I, I think that's the big thing. That's the scary thing about this team closing out the season. Uh, it's time to move on. But I, I, I've never understood why coaches are okay with guys not playing hard. I've never understood that. It doesn't matter how, how talented somebody is. I, it just it hurts more than it helps. Nine times out of ten, even 99 times out of 100, it hurts more than it helps. 
We're talking with Terrence Oglesby, former Clemson guard. You can now catch him doing awesome, great work at the field of 68. Armando Baycott, during the season, he be uh, he set the record for most double-doubles at Carolina and is the all-time leading rebounder. You mentioned you played against Tyler Hansborough, a guy that I believe is the greatest college basketball player to play at UNC. Where does Baycott, though, where does Baycott, though fall in the lineage of great bigs to come through this conference? He's up there, and, and here's the thing: like he's putting up these monstrous numbers, and he's going to get them, getting them himself, because it's not like he's featured in any way, shape, or form like Hansborough was. And I and I did a uh, I, I did a show with Tyler the other day, and I think Tyler's great. By the way, he's 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 getting into the media space a little bit. He's he's fantastic. He does it. He does a nice job. Loves Carolina. Um, I, I just I also think like. If Armando Baycott is playing, you know, at the same time as Tyler or maybe the guy that came in right after, I think his career is even better because the ball would be moving and they would be playing that old Carolina break. I think he would be even better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, as far as numerically where he ranks in Carolina history, I, I don't know that answer right off the top of my head. I'd have to look at all the great players that have come through Chapel Hill. And, and there's no shortage of them, as you guys know. And, you know, I, and I'm not trying to downplay uh, anything. I, I understand how great Carolina is. And a lot of my frustration, especially talking to you right now, comes from the fact that I know how good they should be. Um, but I think certainly he's got to be considered uh, one of the best, I would assume, top five big men to ever play in that at that school just because of the raw numbers that he's been able to put up. I'm going to ask you a question that might be impossible to answer. You mentioned that you believe that Huber Davis is scared of his bench. Why do you think that is? Because I think, like you mentioned, you look at the talent that's come in. Um, they're they're talented guys. They're all you know high level four star guys and stuff like that. But you know, outside of really Puff Johnson and then Demarco Dunn, depending on the the game. Not no one else on the bench is getting a whole lot of run, and I don't have an answer as to why. Can you help me maybe answer that question? You know what? I was thinking about that as you were asking it, and I'm sitting here thinking of, you know, a guy is coaching his son in middle school. Okay, so the guy who's coaching his son has seen the very best version of his son to where nobody else has seen the very best version of his son. So he continues to play his son as long as, as he can in hopes of his son hitting that pinnacle that we all know he could. And I think that, or that, that dad knows that he could, I think Hubert has seen the pinnacle of Caleb love. And that was in the final four game against Duke where he hits a monster three over top of Mark Williams. The problem is, is he, Caleb love hasn't given that to you consistently. And whenever you know what's in there, it's hard to leave that because he knows that once he goes to his bench, they'll still be good. Mm. but they won't be at that ceiling that North Carolina was at making it to the national championship game. It's that hope for what was once great. And I'm not sure that it's not there. I just don't think that it's there this year with this team. A few more for you, Terrence, and I'll get you out of here. We are in the last week of the regular season, believe it or not. And you mentioned that, you know, right now, Carolina would be on the outside looking in, and they look like a NIT team. They don't have the look of a team that should get their ticket punched to the NCAA tournament. 
For that to happen, though, over the, the, the rest of the regular season and then in the ACC tournament, what, what do you need to see from this Carolina team to buy into them, not only being a tournament team, but a team that can make noise again in the big dance? They need to blow the doors off of Florida State in Tallahassee. No easy task because Florida State's playing better. And then they need to beat Duke by about 10 or 15 points. Mm. And then I also think that on top of that, they need to win a game or two in the ACC tournament. I really think they dug themselves in that big of a hole. And guys, if their name wasn't North Carolina, and I hate to say, it, if their name wasn't North Carolina, they wouldn't even be in the next in the first four of the next four. Mm-hmm. They just wouldn't. But it's... It's one of those things you're going to get the benefit of the doubt because you are University of North Carolina, and guys, we all know, and I'm not naive to this, that college basketball is better when North Carolina is great. It's that hope to have Carolina around that has kept them in the conversation, but quite frankly, guys, they don't deserve it. They are going to have to make a run over the next three or four games, hopefully for them, that people can remember on Selection Sunday. You cover the ACC as well as in-depth as anybody out there. I've identified Miami as the best team in the conference, although they did get beat at home over the weekend to Florida State on that dramatic uh, buzzer beater. What team do you identify as the team to beat in the league as we close down the regular season and get ready to uh, meet in Greensboro for the ACC tournament? To be honest with you, this Pittsburgh team, they don't do it in a pretty fashion. They beat you up. They make it ugly. They attack the offensive glass. They foul you a little bit too hard. But that Panthers team is different when it comes to their level of competitiveness. And I think Jeff Capel has done a terrific job up there. And it's taken him a while to get going. He's had guys get in trouble. They've had to deal with this, that, and a third. And they just find ways to win. I mean, they've won, what is it, eight out of their last nine? Eight out of their last nine and ten out of their last twelve. This Pittsburgh team is playing as well as anybody in college basketball right now. And you can't take anything away from them because they just continue to win. That's the big thing. Is it pretty? Absolutely not. Is it effective? It absolutely is. If you take away three out of their first four games with losses to Virginia or West Virginia at home, Michigan on a neutral and BCU on a neutral, this team is 21 and five outside of those three games. And they continue to be an in and compete in every single game. They have been flat out impressive all season long. And from November 20th on, it's a top 10 team in college basketball. I'll get you out on this, Terrence. You've talked about how how much better the ACC is when Carolina's good, how much better college basketball is when Carolina is good. And so with them having a a down year when you look at preseason uh, polls and expectations, the, the, the ACC's reputation isn't where we typically see it from a perception standpoint. As someone that does cover the league, do you agree with that assessment, or do you see a team that a kind of uh, kind of like last year is is a lot stronger, a lot deeper, and, and has more quality teams? That'll be tough outs come the NCAA tournament. You know, I still think the ACC is good. The only problem is the wrong teams are good. Like instead of Duke and Carolina being world beaters, we got uh, Pittsburgh and Miami holding it down. Instead of uh, Wake Forest being up in that top four or five, we have Clemson up there. Like. It's one of those things where I think the league is still tough, but there's a few factors that also go into this, right? Like you look at somebody like a Florida State, they started the season out, what, two and nine? Mm -hmm. And 
what happens with that is they were injured. They had six guys playing. They had a guy named Tom House who hasn't seen the floor since like the beginning of January. He was starting for them at the beginning of the season. And what happens is they get healthy, they get better, they're starting to play how they're accustomed to playing, and they start getting some wins. Florida State, guys, people forget, this Florida State team is 7-11 in conference. And because they started out so poorly in the non-conference, that is a terrible loss to whoever loses to them. So what happens? Their, their metrics drop out of the bottom. Louisville, a bit of the same thing. They win a game at home over Clemson, who this Louisville team, they're honoring the 2003. They're starting to get on a bit of a run. They're playing better. They're not winning games, but they're at least competing. And so what happens? They get fired up. They catch lightning in a bottle. They beat Clemson. So, well, Clemson's on the bubble. That's a terrible loss for Clemson. It turns into a quad four. So I think the the bottom of this league has really sabotaged the top of the league and more specifically the middle portion of this league, the bubble teams, if you will, because their non-conference metrics were so bad that what ends up happening is they're going to catch people during conference play. And it's that middle of the league that's going to be the downtrodden. He is Terrence Oglesby, former Clemson guard. He now does work with the field of 68. Terrence, tell my audience, tell my listeners where they can find all of your great coverage, not just of ACC basketball, but college basketball in general. Well, I, I cover it nationally for the field of 68. Uh, I think that's one thing. You can find me on ESPN. I've done games with them. I've done games with Fox. I've done games with Valley. I've done games with CBS. You guys tell me where to show up. I usually do. Uh, I hate that you made me so negative. To be, to be honest, but I feel like I got to call a rock a rock. Carolina has just been disappointing on so many levels. Uh, but if you find me there, find me on Twitter at T underscore Oglesby 22. Hit that follow button. There's a guy named CZ Binance that's hacked my Twitter account and it's his face on my profile picture. But I promise you, it's still me. You can hit that follow button. I'm not going to send you anything that about buying land in Nebraska. So <laughs> go ahead, hit that follow button. Hit that follow button for me. We'll keep up. And, hey, guys, I, I feel like I got off on a negative tangent. I, I don't mean to. The, the reason I, I get off the way I did on North Carolina is because we need them to be good. The league needs them to be good. And, quite frankly, with all these expectations, they dropped the ball. And I think it was for a lot of things that were more locker room related than it was talent related, and that's disappointing. Well, Terrence, I, I do appreciate you taking some time out of your every busy schedule deciding what network you're going to call a game on this week. And maybe the next time I bring you on, we'll, we'll have a little bit more positive things to talk about with Tar Heel Hoops, okay? Absolutely, man. There you go, guys. That is Terrence Oglesby, former Clemson guard. And like you said, he covers college basketball nationally for the Field of 68 Network. Well, that is going to shut down this edition of the podcast. Before we let you go, I'm going to get you the latest message I have from DraftKings, and I'll come back. Final thoughts on this edition of the Four Corners Podcast back after this message from DraftKings. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus back. 
Guys, I do this all the time with over-unders. I do it with the first three porn that's going to be made by Stephen Curry or, 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 or you know, John ja Morant, LaMelo Ball, whatever it is. Do all of these same-game parlay actions at DraftKings Sportsbook. And you can do so by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the promo code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys are taking full advantage of all the good offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. This is going to wrap up this edition of the show. But we do encourage you guys to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where I'll have you covered for all for, for the remainder of the regular season for Carolina Hoops as they got Florida State this week. There'll be previews and recaps for that game posted, as well as the Duke game, the regular season finale with the season on the line for Carolina. We'll have you covered there. That's HeelToughBlog.com. Uh, as for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us, every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We're there. I encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But more importantly, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any game preview, any game recap, or any great interview like this one with Terrence Oglesby. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. With that, guys, with that, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Once again, thanks to Terrence Oglesby for joining me today. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that!